You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Okay, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. And I'm Ben from DreamLot Studio. How's it going, everyone? I didn't stumble on the intro this time, like last time. <laughs> no, no, we're getting better. Yeah, getting better. I think we're we nailing it. How many episodes <laughs> in are we? This is this is gonna this is episode twenty four. And uh, yeah, you remember on episode one, I said that my biggest fear was looking back on the first ten episodes and just being mortified at how bad they were. And I wonder if that's the case. We should go back and listen to some of those first couple of episodes. I'll take some time tomorrow. I'll listen. I don't think they're <laughs> as bad as you think that they're going to be. No, they might not be. I think we did okay. We did no, we okay. did okay. It was nothing <laughs> like, so the first podcast I ever did, I went, in, I went into it. Have I ever told you this story? I don't know. I know you did a podcast, but go ahead. Yeah. So um, the podcast was basically, we were just, well, what it wound up being, because it didn't have a purpose at first, but what it wound up being was um, us just talking about inspirational stories or, or interviewing people that had inspirational stories. So it wound up being cool. But literally one Thursday I was bored and I was going to hang out at one of my best friend's house that night. And I was like, what, what, what are we going to do when we go hang out? You know? And he called me up because he wanted to know what time I was coming over. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what, was this? A what, what year was this? Ooh, Ballpark. this would have been two years ago. Okay. Not that long ago whatsoever. Long. Um, yeah. Maybe three. Um, but he's a journalist, so he loves talking to people and he loves stories. So he was all about it. And so I said, great, I'm, I already have my audio gear and my laptop. I'll bring it all over. I'll bring some microphones. So he made his wife, who's an introvert to the extreme, he made her be a part of it as well, which is <laughs> just hilarious. And uh, of course, she always had some something interesting to say and bring to the table, but she just was nervous about it. But our first episode was just the three of us, or maybe there was one, I think there was one other friend involved too. And off of just a whim, nothing prepared at all. We talked for four hours and had oh, wow. to cut our first episode into four different parts. That's awesome. Assuming it was good. <laughs> I, the banter was funny, but having to make four episodes and chop it up when there was no topic or direction at all was kind of a nightmare. Did you do the editing? Yeah. It was hard to go back and look at, of course. man, our first episode seemed completely directionless and we had no idea what was going on versus the later was, ones. Was there alcohol involved? No. Wow. No. no. Four hours sober conversation. That's, you, you guys must be good friends. That's, that's good. Good friends. And if you met, if you met Dan... You would understand because he could he could talk for four hours about anything to okay, anyone. Okay. <laughs> so he 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 kind of carried most of the weight, and then I just threw in the funny bits here and there. But gotcha. Yeah. Anyways, so that was that was my first example of a podcast, and even though it went somewhat successful, it was definitely very cringe-inducing to listen back. Okay. To okay. the earlier episodes, and I think that we've done a much better job of it. Okay. Good. 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 <laughs> 
let's let's dive in here, and I'll I'll ask you, Vadim, since you asked me last time, what are we sure. talking about today? Today's episode is about the mysterious MP3, and we'll probably Ooh. touch on some other audio formats as well, like MP2. I don't know. <laughs> MP2 it is a, it is a real thing. It is but, a real thing. But no, I don't think we'll talk about <laughs> MP2s. <laughs> I'd be interested to find out what is the highest quality audio f- file that you can get. The highest quality is lossless. It's like a wave or um, what's the other one? AI. Dang it. So you should know all this stuff. AAC? Yeah, AAC is the Apple lossless format. Okay. I did know that, but I'm curious about like, what if you wanted to buy the highest quality file of a song that you really like it's yeah because, it's whatever lossless format they make available okay do you know if do you know if apple release it i think they have 48 kilohertz songs you can buy but i don't know if that's by default or yeah that's that's a good question so maybe this is maybe that's a good place to start actually so let, let's start talking about what the differences are between different file formats basically mp3 is a compressed format of audio and in this case, we don't mean compressed in the way we do when we talk about like compressing a vocal. Uh, we mean right. compressed in the sense that the data is compressed. Remember, we were talking about digital audio. It's all bits. It's all ones and zeros. We're compressing that data to make the file smaller. And there's different ways to compress that data. So first of all, let's talk about, well, why would you want to compress an audio file. And the main reason is because you want to make it smaller so that you can fit more of it onto your iPod. At least that was the case when I first found out about MP3s. Yeah. Um, and I had an or iPod. Attach it to, or attach it to emails. Or attach to it send to, to emails. People. Or stream it, right? If you want to stream it from your cell phone on a, on a you know, 4G network, having a smaller file size means you can, you can stream it faster. So that's why we would want to compress audio. Uh, so when we re- when we work with audio, we talked in the bitrate episode about uh, what our bitrate what bitrate is. Bitrate is consists of bit depth, which is the kind of refers to the dynamic range of the audio, and sample rate, which is the frequency con- at which we take samples of our audio. So. We set those settings at the beginning of our session and we talked about, you know, Ben and I argued a little bit and he ultimately convinced me. We argued yes. about 48 kilohertz versus 44.1 kilohertz. And we talked about bit depth. 24 bit depth is kind of the standard bit depth for recording audio. That's pretty much uncontested. So you you pick these settings in your DAW session and you record your audio. And this is now you have these, these are called lossless files. They're lossless because the audio that you have is exactly at the bit rate at which you recorded it. So you can't mm-hmm. get any higher quality than that. It's kind of like resolution of a photograph, right? It is whatever it is when you took it. You can make the resolution lower. You can't really make it higher. Even if you make the file bigger, it doesn't necessarily give you any additional useful information. So very commonly, we use formats like W uh, .wav or wave file on PC machines or for Apple you may have heard of uh, AAC. These are lossless audio formats, meaning that basically there's no compression, no data compression taking place. And what you'll find is that these files can be pretty big. So like a rough rule of thumb for like a 48 kilohertz 
file at 24 bits, you might have something like, I don't know, let's say 40 megabytes for a four minute song, something like that. It may vary, it may vary somewhat. So now take that with your 30 track session. That's a lot of information. Yeah. So that's why when we send files to people, it's, it can be difficult to send these, these lossless files. Now, ultimately, when we finish our mix, we have a single stereo file. But even then, if you have two channels of audio, because you have a left channel and a right channel, at, in that lossless format, you can have an 88 megabyte file for a four-minute song, right? Which is too big. It's too big to stream on a cell phone. You don't want to download that over a network and so on. So that's why we get into compression algorithms. Anything to add on that, Ben? No. Okay. No. Cool. So, all right. So let's get into the MP3 here. So we know we want to compress some audio because we want to make the files smaller. So the MP3 is a really interesting history, actually. (laughs) MP3 stands for MPEG-3 or MPEG Layer 3. Hmm. And MPEG in and of itself is an acronym. Let me find it here. MPEG, because it's not what you think. MPEG, M-P-E-G, stands for Moving Picture Experts Group. Okay? <laughs> what? Yes, yes. And an MPEG file was originally designed to basically do for video what an MP3 does for audio. It was a compression algorithm to make video files smaller. And actually, MPEG-3... I believe is just the third layer of that file type, which happens to be audio. And it basically been around since sometime in the nineties. So this is, it, it's, it's a very efficient way to compress audio. So typically you can expect something like a 10, depending on the bit rate, but you can expect something like a 10 to one reduction in size. So in other words, for our file that was 88 megabytes, With an MP3 now, we might have only 8 megabytes, which now is super manageable. So the next question is like, okay, how are we doing that? Which magical unicorn are we enacting here to to make this magic happen? So Ben. I'm I'm glad that you're asking me because I'm not as researched on this as you. So this this would just be my guess as to how they're doing it. I'm sure it's more complicated than this, but the first thing I would think that they're doing is... They're taking away all of the high-end, super high-end information and the super low-end information because most people can't hear it anyways. Yep, that's exactly the first part of an MP3 compression algorithm is they're taking advantage of basically the fact that, as we talked about, adult hearing tends to be, basically as you, as you grow up past your teenage years, your hearing starts to trail off a little bit and you can't hear the super high frequencies that a small child can hear. So what they're doing is they literally just lop off or truncate every frequency above somewhere around 16 kilohertz. So that's, they're saving a lot of bits. Basically, they're reducing the number of bits that are required. That's one way they're saving space. Uh, what's another one you can, th- you can guess? Are they lopping off the low end as well? I don't believe they're lopping off the low end. Okay. I think it's just a, a, like a brick wall low-pass filter. Interesting. My second, my second guess would be something with, it would have to do something with sampling. So you're not, 
you don't necessarily need, so if we imagine here, and, and Vadim and I are both scientists and mathematical, so I'm imagining, I don't, I don't want to traumatize anybody by thinking about <laughs> graphs or anything like that, but I would imagine if I saw a mountain in the distance and I had transparent graph paper and I wanted mm. to draw this mountain, so uh, I could outline it using points separated a, a centimeter apart. And I could use those, connecting those dots, I could draw this mountain. Now, um, it wouldn't be as detailed, but I could make these points two centimeters apart. So I wouldn't have as many data points, but I would have basically the whole mountain still outlined so people could still tell that I'm, I'm t- talking about the specific mountain. So I'm guessing that they're doing the same thing with an MP3 where they're sampling down everything. They don't need as many zeros and ones to represent the fully lossless audio wave they can do it with less samples per second and and us as listeners still hear the same thing because our ears as humans just fill in the gaps that we're not hearing yes absolutely so they are they are playing with the bit rate and in fact that bit rate is adjustable so mp3s commonly have anywhere from let's say 128 kilobytes per second or kilobits per second um 192 is a common one and 320 is considered like the gold standard of mp3s so a 322 or 320 sorry 320 kilobits per second bit rate is the highest available mp3 bit rate and we'll talk about this in a second a common belief and i can i can definitely attest to this i've done some blind testing myself once you get to below 128 kilobits per second, there starts to be a noticeable drop off in quality. So even if you're not listening super hard in a super quiet space, you can tell that there's something missing. And I remember this, I had an MP3, um, I had, it was a CD that had MP3s burned onto it of an album and I would listen to it in the car and it just something in the high end never quite sounded right. And it was kind of a couple of years until I ended up just buying the CD. And the difference I could hear in my car was noticeable. And I'm guessing, I didn't know it at the time, but I'm guessing that those were lower bit rate MP3s, probably below Mm. 128 or at 128. I will say that I've done shootouts where I was comparing 320 kilobits per second MP3s with lossless wave files and I could not tell the difference. And this is something that... Interesting. Back in the day, in the 90s, when, when MP3s were new, there was a huge difference. And part of this is, actually, before we get to that, let's talk about the other thing that uh, MP3s do, which is some of the fancier algorithm stuff. And this is where we get into, um, if you've heard the word Kodak, it's basically the algorithm by which the MP3 is created. They do something called... Um, they, use, they take advantage of a psychoacoustics to do something called temporal masking, which basically says that it's this principle that if I'm talking to you and then all of a sudden somebody hits a snare drum, that snare drum is a very instantaneous kind of loud transient sound. It will mask what I'm saying to you, and therefore what I'm saying to you is not as important. And so this, temp, this concept of temporal masking basically says if there's a quiet thing, right next to a loud thing, the loud thing is going to mask whatever quiet thing comes right after it. That's just how our ears perceive sound. So what MP3 codecs do is they commonly 
eliminate those little quiet sounds that are masked by transients like snare hits. Mm. So that's another way they're kind of getting rid of uh, of bits. And then finally, there's something called like the, the basically the minimum audible threshold where they're just removing really, really quiet things. And I did have this experience of listening to one of my favorite albums of all time. It was Down on the Upside by Soundgarden. I got it on vinyl and I did, I swear I could hear things I had never heard before. And vinyl, of course, is a lossless format in it because it's, it's an analog uh, medium. And that was mm-hmm. like the first time I, because, you know, it was an album I knew really well because I listened to it a hundred times. So when I heard it for the first time on vinyl, it was like, wow, this is different. I can hear little nuances that I maybe couldn't pick out before. Have you ever had an experience like that? Not through a medium like that as cool as what you're talking, but I've had that experience on um, lossless files with either hi-fi headphones or my my nice studio speakers. Sometimes I'll come in here and I'll listen to an album that I liked Mm. from my youth and I'll hear things that I never did before, which is kind of a cool experience. And back in the Wild West of like when... When I was a lot younger, like we were just trying to get our hands on music any any way that we could, and especially back then, bootlegs were a lot more like rare and kind of a covetous thing to like kind of get your hands on. Like if a band released like a bootleg, mm. like that was like oh so cool because they didn't have like Instagram or YouTube back then to to release stuff uh, to the public. So yeah, sometimes whenever you would get that kind of stuff, like it would be so low quality. And, and because it was downsampled to be able to like get uploaded to a streaming or not a streaming service, but like a site where you could download it from or, or vice versa. So if you went back and listened to that stuff on nice headphones, like, of course you would hear something different or the fully lossless version of it. So yeah, I've had similar experiences, but not, not comparing a vinyl to, um, an mp3 that would be pretty cool yeah yeah and it wasn't i mean i i had the cd so it was comparing kind of cd quality oh, okay. to uh to vinyl but that's very cool yeah yeah and and i and I, I wonder sometimes about you know whether obviously my my ear has gotten more refined as i've worked on mixing and and recording but th- this experience i actually had before i really got heavy into mixing i i still didn't at that point in my life still really didn't know what, what i was doing uh in a studio so <laughs> That was um, that was interesting. I just remember that moment. But yeah, back to uh, what I was saying is shooting out three hundred. So oh yeah, so, so these MP3 algorithms back in the day, there were people who were audiophiles that could listen to an MP3 and tell you which codec was being used because they all had their own kind of artifacts and garbage that <laughs> didn't sound good. But the algorithms have been refined, and today a three hundred twenty kilobit per second. MP3 sounds incredibly good, and especially it's a bit genre dependent as well. I remember the um, where I had done a shootout was it was actually an NPR article that was uh, talking about this, and they had three or four different example tracks that you could play in various qualities. So you could play 128 kilobit per second MP3, you could play a 320 and a lossless wave, I think. And so they had like a, a classical music piece, a Jay Z song. You know, it was very like loud and 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 punchy and modern and like a rock song, and 
again, with I could tell the difference almost 100% of the time, I think 100% of the time between the 128 and the other two. Yeah. But for the, for, for the Jay-Z track and the rock track, I could not tell the difference between the 320 kilobit per second and the wave. Now, I was in hmm. the car. I was like in the backseat of a car, I remember, listening in headphones. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if I could tell in my studio. But the point is, it's incredibly close. Like those those MP3s now are really good at that at that bit at that bit rate. But 128, uh, you can still tell a difference. I can attest to that. I while we were talking about this, I was just curious, so I searched um, what SoundCloud streams had because mm. SoundCloud is notorious for having bad sounding streams. Okay, like. I know for a fact because I have my mixed portfolio up on um, SoundCloud and in particular, the high end just sounds like hmm. garbage on SoundCloud. So symbols, they just get jumbled together and sound weird and compressed. And uh, I guess not surprising. Um, I just found an article talking about SoundCloud, SoundCloud reduced its quality of streaming from 128 to 64 kilobits per second. <laughs> okay. Without much warning or explanation. And the idea behind it is so many people are using SoundCloud that they had to lower it to help increase bandwidth. Wow. And so is that true but, for every, every song no, that's uploaded? They have a like, no, premium? No, not everything. There is a premium. There is a premium level where they have... I'm, I'm just reading this from... Well, it's from SoundCloud help. I mean, trust that as much as you will because <laughs> it's coming from the source. But they say that, um, I, I'm guessing that's their paid service, their HQ or the high quality streaming. Okay. Um, it, so their files are encoded 256 kilobits per second AAC, which they say is equivalent to an MP3 encoded at 320 kilobits per second. Mm. So they do have a high quality version up there, but... I can attest if you're not paying for that high quality, you're probably getting 128 or lower. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So And you can definitely you can definitely hear that. And I think that there's something so I I guess what I want to throw in there too is for our listeners, you know, we're talking about MP3s, maybe not the most exciting topic ever, but <laughs> this is this is very applicable to you. Whenever you put your songs up on a streaming platform, it's important to know or even if you're, um, well, even just knowing like what format do I upload them in, yes. it's important to know how you're uploading them and how they're getting reproduced on the platform because it is definitely very audible to hear my high quality mixes that I uploaded. I know I uploaded them to SoundCloud as 320 kbps mp3 files, but they're not getting played back at that high quality level. That is a, a great point. Yeah, in general, I mean, you want to you want to be uploading, you want to be following the the guidelines of the system. So Bandcamp, for example, Bandcamp actually wants you to upload lossless files, and that's something that they offer to listeners. When you buy an album on Bandcamp, which I I do quite a bit, they actually let you download the lossless files, which is super cool. I really like that they have that. Um, so in that case, they let you upload an MP3, but it's actually in your best interest to upload your lossless files because they will do the conversions for you and they tend to do a pretty good job. And then your listeners can have the option to download higher res stuff if they want it. I guess let's talk a little bit about working with MP3s. So you, you can 
generally import an MP3 into your session and do stuff with it. But it's if it's an important part of your song, you should really be careful and think twice about doing that because think about what you're doing there. We just talked about all of the information, all of the bits that are missing from that MP3. Now you're going to be trying to process it and you basically have Swiss cheese instead of a regular cheese. Yeah. <laughs> you have cheese that has holes in it. I love Swiss cheese, actually. So this is a terrible analogy. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to... It's, it's less cheese. It's less cheese for your buck. It's less cheese for your buck, yes. So you're going to have reduced audio quality almost certainly. And so this is common for like people pull, you know, beats off of YouTube and stuff like that. They're not going to sound as good. So if you have a choice, you should always opt for the lossless file when you're talking about manipulating audio. It would be again, it would be like editing a photo. You would want the highest resolution photo you could you could get your hands on. I I definitely have a very applicable example for this. Okay. And I and I've done it quite often. So sometimes I'm looking when I'm mixing a song or recording a song, I'm looking for a specific sample of something. Mm. So sometimes online I'll grab one or sometimes I'll go to a, like a YouTube video and I'll grab like a specific part of a movie or something like that. Mm -hmm. And normally it sounds okay if you can play it at the original um, speed that it was, that you grabbed it at. It's, you're not able to tell, but I've run into this so many times where I'm trying to match um, a pitch or I'm trying to slow it down to match my song. And those low quality files, when you stretch them out, they sound like garbage. Yeah, they do. Because there's no information there. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely worth it. If you can get the high quality files, it's always better to work with the high quality files. Yes. And likewise, if you've sent your song to somebody for mixing, uh, you want to listen to it at least at a 320 kbps mp3 because anything lower than that you're just you may not be getting the whole story now i'm curious too what is what does youtube do because i've ripped songs from youtube before and i know that they lop off yes i want to say youtube is 128 is it i'm not 100 percent sure and they might have they lop off a lot of high-end information because I'll use it for mix references sometimes if like a, a band says, oh, use this song. Yep. And instead of buying it at first, I would just rip it to compare. And I noticed from YouTube, I stopped doing this as much because I noticed from YouTube, there's it, the, all the song information isn't there. On my analysis, like you can see, I forget where it is, 14 or 15 kilohertz Everything above that is just gone. Yeah, and what, what happens is you'll find it gives you a false sense of security because you're like, my mix sounds freaking good. But like you're, <laughs> you're comparing yourself to a hobbled MP3. Um, so it, it gives you a, a false sense of security thinking you're, you might think your mix is better than it actually is. You're not comparing it to the full force of the uh, original track. I, you do look that up. I am curious. I, I think I want to say YouTube is 128 kbps, but I'm not. I'm not 100 sure. All right. Well, YouTube does recommend uploading 5.1 audio, or 48 or 96 kilohertz. Hmm. Okay, I'm gonna have. I might have the answer here. Sorry, I have to. I have to correct something we said. AAC. I got AAC confused with AIFF. 
Okay. AAC. Oh, okay. AAC is Apple's alternative to MP3, and that is a lossy or compressed format. AIFF is Apple's alternative to a WAV file. So that is the uh, lossless okay. version of an Apple file. Yep. All right. So what do you got on YouTube? All right. This is old information, but it's as of 2018, it looks like YouTube streams at 128 kilobits per second. Yeah. Okay. That's a- what I thought. A- ACC or AAC. AAC. Okay. Premium subscribers can select high quality, which streams at double that. That does, I mean, that does make sense though. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And, and again, for casual listening, I mean, I, I don't, I don't care. You know, I'll listen to MP3s on my, on my cell phone. Like it's coming out of my cell phone speaker. My cell phone speaker can't do high frequencies that well anyway. So, at, you know, on some level, it depends on your, your use case. There's another format called OG Vorbis or OGG, which is a, also a lossy or compressed format. It's uh, an open source alternative to some of these lossy formats we've been talking about. So MP3 and AAC. And that is, I believe, what Spotify uses. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, for, for Spotify streaming. So a lot of options here. I mean, basically, the, the important thing is that either you can classify these files into two types, lossy compressed formats versus uncompressed formats. If you're working, if you're still building a song or you're mixing or you're producing, you want to always try to work with lossless. Uh, but once you are getting ready for distribution, then you really should think about your platforms. Where are you going to be distributing? What channels? And what are they asking you to see? Usually, I like to follow their guidelines. So, you know, if whether you're using Amazon or Spotify or CD Baby, you can usually look up guidelines and they'll tell you what they prefer. And I just go with that. I mean, it's in their best interest to have good quality um, at reasonable file sizes so i would defer to what they want to do so i'm talking a little bit off the cuff here but i'm trying to think of situations where maybe our listeners don't have access to lossless files Mm -hmm. because i i do know that some producers or some people are messing around with making beats in their cell phone so Sometimes those audio files can be a little weird, um, like specific to cell phones. I'm trying to think of what those audio files would be. And what do you want to do if you want to take that music and take it to a studio? What should I do with that? Because you might find yourself in a little bit of a pickle if you show up to a studio with your cell phone and then you find out you can't import that into the studio DAW. Mm. I've had issues like that before where. I had something cool on my cell phone or somebody sent it to me and I couldn't drag that into my dog couldn't read it. It was some weird file format. So I had to search online for some program that would convert that to um, a file type that was readable by my dog. Yeah. So I, I, I do run into this a lot and I actually, I, I, one of the things I advertise about my, <laughs> my studio is that I will work with any audio format that you can come up with, I'll find a way. And that's always because I've always been able to find a way. But a couple of tricks that I use are, first of all, when you're working in your DAW, 
don't try to open a file necessarily. If you're trying to bring audio into your DAW, there's a function usually called import audio, which is what you want to do. And a lot of times, that's the first thing I would try because your DAW, depending on what you're using, can probably import more formats than you know about. And a lot of times you'll be able to do that conversion right in your DAW. But occasionally I do get like cell phone recordings. Um, and there are a couple of sites. One that I like to use, I think it's called Zamzar. I don't know if you've ever run into that, but they are pretty good so. about yeah. converting from like from one f audio format to pretty much any other audio format. And again, what we're doing here is like, yeah, you, you can work with an MP3 or a cell phone recording. You're not going to get better quality by converting that to a WAV file. You'll just be able to bring it into your DAW and work with it. So at some point, you have to like live with what you got. Yeah, that's a good point. In, in no way whatsoever can, once something is encoded in a lower format, you can't go back up in, into right. higher quality. Right, right. So that's important to say. It makes sense, but it's important to say because you're yeah. you're not like, although it would be interesting to see in the future. Now I'm being theoretical here, but I'm really curious with all of the advances made to ups, upscaling with TVs and turning low resolution uh, pictures into high definition. I wonder if we're going to see this one day in the future with audio. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. I could see that with some kind of AI. I mean, I, I have... I have a D-Clipper program that shocks me. I will get tracks that are so horribly clipped. And if you think about what that means, it means the, the peaks of the audio uh, waveform have been just chopped off. Like there's no information there. And this D-Clipper can salvage a lot of those files. And that's basically what I imagine it's doing is it's just saying, oh, I lose the signal here and then I pick it up again here. I'm going to interpolate or figure out what the shape looks like in between. And it does a phenomenal job. So I wouldn't be surprised if you were right. And uh, we got some kind of algorithms that were smart enough to reverse engineer some of that. Um, so maybe we'll uh, have to redo this episode in a year or two and say, yes, we can go up in higher quality. But as yeah. of today, in 2020... We, we cannot get higher quality. Yes, and by, by 2022, everything we've ever said on this podcast will be obsolete, and I don't stand by any <laughs> Maybe, <other. laughs> maybe. Very interesting. Um, yeah, so I guess what are our take-homes take from this episode is uh, when possible, work with higher quality lossless files, and there's nothing evil or wrong about uploading or sharing compressed files especially if it's two 256 or above because you basically yeah. can't tell the difference yeah for mo especially for modern genres where music is louder uh you will likely not be able to tell a difference um i do want to mention one other file format because i just thought it was interesting it's we, we talked about it a little bit before we started recording the flac and alac mm. file formats and you know what it stands for what the acronym is so i'll let you say it for FLAC, I do. It's fully lossless audio codec. And the only reason I know this is because I can remember I bought a live Red Hot Chili Peppers album a long time ago. And the only two options it gave me were uh, for download were MP3, um, a lossy MP3 format, or a FLAC. It didn't mm. give me an option for a wave. And I was like, what the heck is a FLAC? Um, but essentially, it's just a different... It, it's a different file format, but it's similar to a wave or an AAF. Yeah, but it's cool because 
so so FLAC is a compressed format, but it's lossless compression. Oh, which, you're tr- you're correct about that. So it's like a zip file. It's kind of like a zip file. So the file size is smaller, but you actually don't lose any audio information. And I remember I was asking a friend of mine who's a, a computer scientist. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, how is that possible, lossless compression? The way he explained it to me was instead of saying, you know, we have, we have bits, we have ones and zeros. Instead of saying, let's say I have uh, four zeros in a row in my in my digital word quote unquote instead of saying zero 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 i can just tell you it's four zeros and that's how lossless compression works so it looks it kind of looks for patterns in the um in the words basically in the digital words and it, it kind of abbreviates them without losing any of the important information so another example is like if you have one zero one zero one like a repeating pattern you can just say oh it's a pattern of one zero one repeated four times and so the file size reduction you get is not as significant as with as with mp3 uh, but you do get uh, a little bit of a reduction and you get more of a reduction than you would with a zip file which is important because zip the kind of the zip file algorithm is generic for all data types whereas FLAC and ALAC are specific to audio, so they are a little more efficient at uh, compressing audio information. And the only difference, as far as I understand, between FLAC and ALAC is that, again, ALAC is Apple-specific. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't... I maybe knew that and forgot. I didn't realize all of those things about it. So I guess my follow-up question is, is that just for transferring the files or... Is that also for playback? And do you need specific players to play this? Because that doesn't seem like a typical f- a typical thing that I could play in my DAW. Or I, I feel like I would have seen it more commonly. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it's... I, I'm going to plead a little bit of ignorance on this. I know it is used for storing and downloading. I don't know if there are any players that can play it directly that's a really good question let's look that up right now yeah i'm pretty sure that you're correct about that i think it's for transferring files yeah so it says um let's see vlc is one of the most popular most widely used media players it supports flack out of the box you do not need Mm. to install but that you know i still does it does it have to I'm assuming it, it still has to decompress it, right? It's just maybe doing it kind of a, with a buffer. Internally. In time, yeah. But yeah, apparently there are, um, there are FLAC players. So this is an interesting thing to kind of, you know, an, an end note. And I can, I can kind of see why this hasn't caught on more because it definitely has a use. It has a niche in there. It's lossless, but it's, but it's compressed. So this would be most beneficial if... You wanted to send, okay, so let's say you're an artist and you want to send some of your recorded tracks to your producer to work on, and you wanted to save some file space on Dropbox or whatever you're using. A flat could be a good option to, to send some compressed but not, but, but lossless audio over there. Yeah. Um, but I can also see, so that would definitely be the benefit of it. So you can transfer files back and forth easily that are, that are still lossless. But for a consuming perspective, I can understand why it hasn't caught on because like we talked about earlier, we can't tell the difference in 
a 256 or a 192 um, compressed MP3 file, which is much smaller than a FLAC file. So for just streaming music, there's really no sense in messing with messing with a flack yeah 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 i i agree with you i think it you know depends on your use case again but for most of us just doing casual listening the this again the 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 file size reduction with flack is not nearly as significant so you're not getting that huge benefit um so yeah yeah i agree cool by the way this podcast i do export the files at 320 and the reason I do that, even though it, it's probably overkill, but for the episodes where we do play audio samples, I want people to have that little bit of extra resolution in case they're listening in headphones so they, they can hear you know, small differences that some of the differences we talk about may be very subtle. So I want to give people the best chance to, to hear those differences. But for episodes like this, where we don't necessarily play examples, it's probably overkill. Well, you can hear all the, all the nice overtones in Ben's voice. It's got... Uh, yes. <laughs> Sibilance. <laughs> yeah. So we're running a little short on this episode, so I thought, what the heck? Let's play a couple of examples. So I just pulled up a beat that I've been working on. It's been one of these back pocket beats I've had. <laughs> First, I'm just going to play it, and then I'm going to start monkeying with the sample rate and the bit depth and you can hear the effect and basically this is kind of an extreme example of what's happening when we take a lossless file and convert it into an mp3 and we're effectively reducing the bit rate to certain extents here's the track by itself for a couple seconds i'm actually really proud of this one Okay, so that's the track. So now what I'm gonna start doing is, the first thing I'll do is I'm at 24 bits on my session and I'm at 44.1 kilohertz. First thing I'm gonna start doing is playing with the sample rate. And if you remember from the bit rate episode, what the sample rate does is uh, basically we can only represent a frequency that's half of our sample rate. So if my sample rate is 44.1 kilohertz, that's pretty good because I can represent uh, frequencies up to 22 kilohertz, which is pretty much outside of the range of human hearing. As I start reducing that sample rate, you'll hear that it almost sounds like I'm putting a uh, low-pass filter on the song. So the high end starts to roll off. But there's another effect that we talked about in the bitrate episode called aliasing, if you remember, which is what happens when your sample rate is too low and you get these kind of almost video game sounding reflections which are bad for a general song, but they can also be kind of a really cool effect if you're just trying to make some cool video game sounds. So watch what happens as I start reducing the sample rate. Here I'm at 33.1, 22 kilohertz, 14.7 kilohertz, and you can hear that sleigh bell, digital sleigh bell sounding thing now. That's 8.8 kilohertz. 7.3 kilohertz. 
5.5 kilohertz. Alright, so you can hear that's kind of a cool effect. And actually, this is a really fun thing to do if you're making beats, is actually use this to your advantage. You can do sweeps and things like this. Right, I'm just playing with the sample rate, basically. All right, let's play with the um, the bit size. And this is where things get a little interesting because 24 bits, we do that, uh, we said that's kind of our standard for recording. We do that in large part to reduce our noise floor. Again, I'm not gonna get into the details, go back and listen to the bit rate episode if you wanna learn more about that. But as I start reducing um, the, uh, the, the bit, depth, as I start reducing the bit depth, eventually you'll hear that there's an introduction of noise. And that's happening because there's some noise inherently in this file. And as we have less and less bit depth available, that noise volume comes up. So that's going to be the first thing that happens. But right around the time I get to, and I have to go as low as five bits, I get another really cool video game sounding effect, which can be a fun little production trick. So check this out. Here's 24 bits. Here's 20 bits. Not a lot of difference yet. Here's 16 bits. 15 bits. Still okay, really. Here's 12 bits. Right there. 10 bits. Listen to that noise. Sounds like a like cassette noise. It's nine bits. All right, eight bits. All right, so here's five bits. Pretty cool. I'm gonna try to play with that and the sample rate at the same time to see what we can get. So yeah, that's bit depth and sample rate. And what happens of course with an MP3 is somewhere in between there where you have a reduced sample uh, uh, sample rate and you have a slightly reduced uh, bit depth and so you have some reduction in quality but as we say in most cases it's acceptable no it's all for you it's all for your enjoyment guys <laughs> <laughs> well this has been fun vadim i never i never knew that lossless audio could be so interesting yeah, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to just take that without any sarcasm that was intended. I'm just going to take it at face value. And uh, as a listener, you should as well. So, <laughs> Right on, guys. Well, I think that um, about does it for this episode. So until next time, uh, we're going to remind you, remind you guys to check yourselves before you wreck yourself. Have a good one. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. 
So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. We'll see you next week.